up guys from the chase down and i'm here with my co-host ben what's up everybody welcome and today we have some summer league to talk about uh the last episode i did we did was the draft i believe or our draft recap it's been a while but now we've gotten to see some of these guys go out and play and we're just gonna hop right into it into some players that have impressed us i'm gonna start first um because i'm feeling pretty confident in what i'm about to say even though i loved chet and I still think he's the most interesting prospect in the league uh, for this year. I, I think it's pretty clear that Paolo is going to be the best player from this draft. Um, he was just manhandling everyone at Summer League. And then, yes, it is Summer League. And to, for me to completely change my stance off of games, you know, where he's facing future bank tellers and accountants is a little ridiculous. But I just... The physicality of him at 6'10", 250, and being able to do what he did. I mean, nothing has changed for me for my evaluation, but seeing it just in real time, multiple times against other top prospects, where it's not Duke with six lot, like six super talented NBA players beating up on some garbage college team. Seeing it against like Keegan Murray or Chet or Oklahoma City or like other teams with legitimate prospects and him clearly just being the best player in every single one of those games. Um, I, I, I'm just feeling very confident that the Orlando Magic made the right decision at number one. I definitely think they made the right decision. I think uh, the rule with Summer League is you cannot flip positions on any players. Um, you know, 70% of these guys are never going to make an NBA roster. You know, out of the 30% that make an NBA roster, most of them are going to spend most of their time in the G League. Um, Paolo has not played against really good, talented teams. Um, he's played against some of the other high-named players, but I don't – nothing about my evaluation of Paolo has changed. The one thing I will say that has changed, he's a big man. It's kind of – you know, looking at it on Duke, for some reason I didn't really notice, but he's like 6'10", 250. Uh, he is – proportionally very very strong for a dude who's six foot ten he is massive uh watching him handle the ball watching him run pick and rolls it's really really smart on the magic in my opinion to take him over jabari because that was the big conversation being had um and you watched jabari not really be able to create anything with his own dribble um I think they've made the right decision with Paolo, but I still, I, nothing's changed. I think Chet's got the highest ceiling, but I think Paolo probably will be rookie of the year. I think it's a lock to have Paolo as rookie of the year. I'm also starting to think that Paolo just might have the higher ceiling too. Um, that's where my evaluation has changed a little bit because I always knew that Paolo was going to be a great scorer. I knew he was going to walk into the league as like 17, eight, and probably three. Um, but I think now what I'm seeing is like he can be the focal point of an offense on a team that's good. And I don't know if Chet can be a focal point of an offense. I'm not sure if he can be. I think and, we got to pump the brakes a little bit. Let's see some NBA. No, 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 I don't think we do. I don't think we do. Um, I think Chet is he's still my mo he's still my favorite prospect of the bunch. But it, I mean, to, to say that he's passive at times is not an overreaction. That was an issue in college and it's I mean there's games where Chet finishes with six points in summer league um he, I mean he's the second overall pick he's seven foot one he can shoot the ball 
he can dunk basically anything he touches. So it is a little, I don't know, it's a little weird that he doesn't score more um, in summer league. But I think there's going to be seasons where Chet probably hovers around 16, 17 points a game. I don't think that ever happens to Paolo. I'm not diminishing Chet's impact because he's going to be one of the most impactful players in the league. But Chet, like Paolo, I, I just think he's going to be a very good scorer for a very, very long time. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I want to see some actual three-point shooting in the NBA before I really believe that that's a part of his game because it was just – it was Ooh. below average in college. Who? Um, uh, number one pick there, Paolo. Paolo. His three-point shooting was below average in college, and it looks good in the summer league. But the summer league's not like the NBA. It's not even like the G League. Um, it is its own thing where all of these guys are trying to just show their own flashes and not really giving a shit about the result, the win. Um, but obviously what we saw from Paolo was awesome. Um, watching Chet, I was really happy in the games that I saw. You're right, the passiveness is sometimes an issue. But I think out of your, you know, 7-1 center, you're not looking for him to do everything all the time. Certainly he should be doing more. It's kind of like an issue that we've had with AD, where if he wanted to, he could dribble the ball and take 28, 30 shots a game, and it would be good for the team, but he just doesn't do that. Um, But the stuff we saw from Chet, ridiculous blocks, hitting three-pointers off the break, doing, you know, he had a Dirk mid-range shot. Um, He was doing different types of threes, some spot-ups. He had a lot off the dribble. Um, It's what I wanted to see from him, and it's a lot of flashes right now because you're right, not all the stats were really great. But the flashes and the highlights were exactly what I was expecting from him. Yeah, and with Chet, it's super interesting because the first game he came out was ridiculous. It was 23 points. I think he was like three for five from three, and he had six blocks in his first summer league game. And you were just like, okay, this is clearly the guy. And then the next game, undrafted, six foot seven, Kenneth Lofton absolutely buried this bitch. Like he was just boom, 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 like under the rim all game long. And Chet really struggled with it. And then it kind of tempered our expectations immediately because the hype train went off the rails after the first game. And I was a part of it. I was like, see, this is why I thought this the whole year. It validated that. And then literally the next game, it was kind of just like, okay, maybe there is some, you know, reasons to doubt his physicality. But I mean, all all in all, Chet has been exactly who I thought Chet was going to be in summer league. Like he's been a good player. He's going to struggle with physicality. He has the ability to stretch the floor and play defense. And that's basically what we've seen in summer league. So um, yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. I'm happy with what I've seen from Chet. Um, I feel good about OKC's pick too. Dude, we have been saying this uh, and I'm not sure why people are not on board with this. Chet's, Chet should not be the dude trying to stop 300-pound Kenny Lofton Jr. from banging into the post. Um, Chet is a weak side defender. He's one of the best weak side defenders in college. He was. I think he'll come in and be one of the best weak side defenders right away in the NBA. You need a bigger, sturdier body next to him. Uh, if you want to be able to stop a dude who's got 120 pounds on him from getting through him, getting through the post. Uh, I heard the ringer talking about like, what is he going to do against Joel Embiid? Like he's not going to be the dude guarding Joel Embiid. Um, They need a bigger body next to him, which we've kind of known, but the thing is they just don't have that. They got the big man, Jalen Williams, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl from last year. 
Um, none of these guys are, you know, amazing centers or even like really sturdy bigs. So I'm a little worried about that because it seems like even though me and you think he should be a weak side guy, they're just going to leave him at the five and kind of let him get bullied. Yeah, what's interesting was that Gonzaga, he kind of did both. He kind of was the shot blocker at the rim as like the main center. And he also played weak side defense. Like Drew Timmy would eventually grab onto some of the bigger guys and defend them. And then he would come from help side. Or sometimes he would just have to deal with it. If you go to the tournament, he faced Jalen Duran one-on-one basically the entire, entire game. And he did a great job. He was getting bullied and like he got in foul trouble, but he kept Duran to four points. Like that is, that is a win. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's super interesting. I agree with you, obviously, but even at the four spot, that doesn't mean he's going to have to, he's going to be hidden from, you know, physicality. There's going to be fours out there that are also physical players and kind of like make his life hard. It's just going to be a thing that he's going to struggle with early on. I still think he's going to be an unbelievable NBA player. I think his impact's going to be amazing, but yeah, there's, I feel like he's hit every mark we expected from him coming into summer league. I just, I thought maybe he would be scoring more just because he's so skilled of a player. I thought maybe the points would be adding up, but not really. Yeah. Even in college, that was not his thing. Um, I think the thing with the top three guys, we, we had a pretty good analysis. I think of the top three guys, what they're good at and what they're not good at. And Paolo is the only one you can't scheme against in any sort of way. Um, Chet has very obvious limitations size wise and like mobility wise with a guy who's seven one, uh, who do you guard? Who do you have him guard as a question mark? And then we'll talk about Jabari, but basically what we said about him was he can't create anything with his own dribble. Um, the game, he had 19 points. He didn't dribble the ball a single time. Um, so, you know, there are, there are easy ways to scheme against Jabari and Chet and make their lives a lot harder. And Paolo is the only dude out of the top three that you can't really do that to. Yeah. And that's why I'm feeling more confident in him against other players, because where you've seen that these summer league rosters can scheme against Jabari and Chet. And that if the personnel around them isn't perfect, that maybe it is a little bit harder for them to get into their stuff. With Paolo, he's going to have the ball in his hands every single time down the court. He's going to get to make all of the decisions, and he's just going to find his buckets. And honestly, even if his three-point shooting doesn't come around, I still think he'll probably end up being the best player from this class. Like, I'm just very, very confident in just him finding 20 points per game easily. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, With Jabari Smith, I... You know, with my expectations, what they were, dude can't create his own dribble. Um, If he gets set up, he's going to do great. Uh, And then the defense is going to be excellent. That's what I expected from him coming into summer league. And that's exactly what we saw. Uh, The shooting has been on and off. Basically all of the shots where he's just kind of sitting at the top of the key dribbling. And then he pulls into a three, they're misses. All of them. Uh, If they're catch and shoot opportunities, if they're catch and fade opportunities, he hits those really, really well. Um, which again worries me. Every time we talk about it, it worries me because the Rockets don't have any facilitators. He dealt with this in college. He's dealing with this on the summer league roster. All of the guards that he plays with just want to score. And that's not the ideal situation for Jabari. I think Jalen Green could turn into some sort of passer, um, but I'm a bit concerned with him. But the defense was incredible. 
That's that's what I want to touch on first. He looked like an absolute game changer in terms of defense. Um, he was switching on to perimeter players, sliding with them all the way to the basket. Uh, he was a shot blocker from the weak side. And honest, I heard a fun idea. You can tell me what you think about this. What would you think about Jabari playing the small ball five? I don't know if he's strong enough, man. I mean, it's an idea. It's an idea, you know, because the the small ball five that the Rockets would put out now is Alper and Chengdun. And uh, Jabari is actually an inch taller. Yeah. Um, so it's it's possible. I don't know if he's really got that strength, but it's definitely possible. Yeah, I, I like it just because of the like flexibility for that team. I mean, think about how different of a look it is to have Shengun out there on the court and Jabari Smith out there at the court as the center. Mm. Uh, yeah, you brought it up, man. He does, His dribble is just not there. There was a few really glaring moments where I was just like, wow. Like I, I watched his Auburn games and there were some things that really concerned me. But he's playing like... <laughs> He's playing, like I said, against accountant and bankers, and still he can't get two in-between-the-leg dribble combos together before he shoots. It's It really is a strong weakness. I'm still not super worried about him, though, because I feel like he's such a great fit next, next to Jalen Green as just, like, a really, really, really good role player or, like, a tier below star. I don't know if he's a star player, but I think he's going to be very impactful for a very long time. And if Kevin Porter Jr. learns to not be a ball hog and he can kick to the corner and same with Jalen Green, like if he improves his playmaking, I think Jabari sitting in the corner, that's going to be really helpful for the Rockets team. Yeah, he is uh, Michael Porter Jr.-esque offensively. Um, Not a dude who you're going to ask to create any of his own shots, but you're right. Those kickouts to the corner or if he figures out how to be a good cutter off ball um, and, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. can get him looks there. That'll be good for him. He's basically, yeah, Michael Porter Jr. with excellent defense. Watching him and Tari Eason on the floor at the same time was really exciting. Uh, Tari Eason looked like, you know, Herb Jones-esque, just a really long, mobile, athletic wing who played excellent defense and had a little bit of offensive touch. Um, Those dudes on the floor together are going to be awesome. I think you put those guys at the two wings and then Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., and then you got Alper and Shengun out there. It's going to be a fun, fun young team. Yeah, that is a team you need to put on your league pass rankings. Um, They're going to move. They're going to run. They're going to shoot a lot of threes, and it's going to be all offense. And it's going to be it's going to be worth watching. Like that's going to be a really fun team to 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 watch. And honestly, I think the Rockets are turning into one of the better drafting teams in the league. Last year, they get Jalen Green. I still think it's a mistake. Obviously, Mobley is going to be the best player in in that draft, in my opinion. But then they found Shen Goon at pick 16. He's going to be an above average role player at least. And then this year you get Jabari Smith. They didn't have a choice at Chet or Paolo. I think they made the right pick there. And then Tari Eason as a steal. And honestly, we, me and you bagged on Ty Ty Washington. He's been looking pretty decent in summer league. Um, so if he can just be like a sixth man off the bench, just as a scorer type of guy, they're kind of nailing it these last two drafts. Um, I have I have a lot of confidence in where this team's heading. Like I, I look at the trajectory and it's definitely looking upwards for sure. Yeah. Houston's a city with awesome nightlife. Uh, it's a city that NBA players really like going to. 
Um, and so, you know, two years from now, three years from now, Jalen Green improves a bunch. Jabari improves a bunch. It's a team that I could definitely imagine NBA players are going to want to go sign with and go play there. Um, so, yeah, definitely really, really bright future and a quick rebuild from them. Honestly, I, I was expecting this to be much slower after the Jalen Green pick. They still got a couple years to go, but I did not see a bright future immediately after that Jalen Green draft. Uh, and now I can see kind of the vision. I can see what they're going for, and I'm a lot uh, more hopeful. Yeah, they've hit more than you would anticipate in the first two years of a rebuild. Like we see teams like the Kings where they just go years and years and years of missing their lottery picks. The Rockets kind of already have theirs down, it feels like. Like Jalen Green is a hit. Shengun is a hit. I think from what Tari Eason and Jabari Smith have shown us just in Summer League, they're going to be at least role players or above. So they are filling out the roster pretty quickly. I, I've been very impressed with the Rockets. Yeah, same. So let's go number four pick, Keegan Murray. Uh, this is the dude that I think is fighting Paolo for the highest floor out of the guys in the draft, out of like the top guys of the draft. Keegan Murray doesn't do anything poorly. Um, he's a good cutter off ball. He's good on the dribble. He's good at catch and shoot. Um, his defense isn't excellent, but it's definitely passable. And he's got okay assist numbers. Um, definitely could get better on that front, but he really does everything that you want him to. Thinking about just, you know, going into the NBA, thinking about what he's going to look like next to Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox, I'm really, really excited because he has showed out in summer league. Yeah, he's averaging 20 points per game, which is kind of crazy. Um, he is older than a lot of these guys, but he is a rookie. Like, he, this is just who he is as a player. And you brought it up. Like, he doesn't do anything poorly. We knew that coming into the league, but to see it out there in summer league and it kind of still being true that he doesn't do anything poorly is very encouraging. Um, and you mentioned it, man, like he is going to be such a good fit next to Fox and Sabonis. Like he can scrap for his points. He can cut off ball. He can hit open threes. He can create his own shot. Like he is the perfect package to put next to those guys. Kings fans should be excited. I know they got a little bit memed on because they passed on Ivy, but if you're looking back now, even though Ivy, we'll talk about him in a second, looked great when he played, um, he like Ivy and Fox is as much fun as that is athletically. That probably isn't the right way to build a team. I think the Keegan Murray pick is actually the smart one. And it's, it's definitely paying off in terms of summer league performances right now. Yes. Yeah. You could not take a third guard after Davion Mitchell, after Tyrese Halliburton, it would not have made sense to take Jaden Ivy, even though I think he's wicked talented. There's nothing wrong with the Keegan Murray pick. I like bagging on the Kings as much as anybody because the Kings are a dumpster fire organization. Um, but, you know, this time they actually made the right move. Um, Keegan Murray's going to be, you know, a fifth option. They've already got a lot of pieces here. They're not asking for him to do anything other than kind of catch and shoot and do a little bit of, uh, you know, on ball creation. Uh, I think he's going to excel. I think he is a lock for an all rookie team. I don't know if it's going to be first or second, but I think he's a, a lock for one of them. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, there's no way this guy doesn't end up being one of the 10 best rookies next year. Right. So Jaden Ivey was a bit disappointing, not because of his play style, but because he got injured early on in his second summer league game. He put up 11 points in the first five minutes and then rolled his ankle on somebody's shoe. 
Yeah. Uh, he, again, everything we expected from him, explosiveness, uh, really fast in transition. He hit a couple of threes. He had a lob to Jayla Duran that was pretty good. Um, everything that we expected Jaden Ivey to be, he was in the summer league. He just, I wish I got to see him play more. This kid's going to be so freaking good. Yeah. He's going to be so good. Like he just moves different than everyone else out there. It's cr- he's blowing by people. No one is close to this dude when he drives to the rim. Um, yeah. And his passing was good too. You mentioned the Duran lob. I remember that play like he Ivy's a willing passer. Actually, I don't want to say willing passer. He can pass when it's, available like he can see the very easy reads that was a drawn up play that he made that pass exactly and he'll make those types of plays pretty regularly so I'm cool with that like I said he's better as an off guard next to Cade Cunningham than he would be as like running the entire show for a team he excited me a lot I'm very very excited to see and Duran too like we'll talk about him I guess a little bit later but he's those two athletes best athletes in summer league and to see that they're on one roster was so cool it was really cool i'm another dude i'm excited to just think about what he's going to be like in the league uh sadiq bay had a crazy story about him come out the other day where basically the detroit pistons organization told him he needed a hobby because every waking moment he you know lives breathes basketball so they told him to go out and get a hobby so he went to colorado and learned how to hike in high altitudes um it's just a it's a ridiculous story but thinking about him as like the third piece next to ivy and Cade, those are such awesome fun guards yeah uh, jalen duran was explosive as hell he didn't do too much but this is kind of what we expect from him he'll be a rim runner he'll be a lob threat always and then he'll be a dude who can get really just like spiking balls into the third row kind of blocks yeah, he, he impressed me a lot, too, because it was the flashes with him that are still just like, who else can do that shit? Like the, the spiking the ball type of blocks are just ridiculous from him. The way he can get up and down the court and how high he rises for alley-oops. Yeah, man, I, I'm the Pistons fan should be very happy. Kind of the same thing with the Pistons um, that we said for the Rockets. Like their turnaround has been so quick. Yeah, They nailed it with a superstar in Cade. Sadiq Bay was a great draft pick. And now they have Jalen Dern and Jaden Ivey, who I both believe in. Like, I think it feels like these young teams are just kind of like really putting the pieces in place. Me and you have spoken about this off air. Like the league is so deep. It's so cool. Yeah. And even like their, their deeper picks, Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart uh, has looked great. Uh, they really had one big failure and it was Killian Hayes. Yeah. And there was some injury issues there and there was some, you know, there was some problems out of their control that kind of led to him sucking on top of, he was just really slow out the gate. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, almost zero misses out of them. We said it during the draft time that I think people are just getting better at drafting. Yeah. And obviously it's very early. Jalen Duran could maybe just show those flashes and never actually develop into that guy. We'll see. But at the moment, future looks very, very bright. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on to number six, I believe. Who was number six? Ben Matherin, my guy. Uh, ben Matherin. I watched one game of his, his live. I, I watched the highlights for the rest of Ben Matherin. But the one game I watched live, he was just absolutely the best player on the court. And it didn't look close. Like he was in charge of the whole Pacers team, clearly the leader on the court, willing to take any kind of shot they gave him and tried his ass off on defense, Indiana. Like, they got a good one, too. This draft's going to be fun. Yes. I think 
right out the gate, uh, the starting spot for that second guard is going to be a little tough because Chris Duarte and Buddy Heald have been on this team. But I think, you know, halfway through the year, at least Ben Matherin is earning that starting spot. I think if you're Rick Carlisle, who has been known to not develop young players, by the way, I still think you have to put Ben Matherin over Chris Duarte and Buddy Heald because Chris Duarte's fine and he was drafted two years ago, but he's already, I think he's already 25, 26. Mm-hmm. Um, and Buddy Heald's been in the league forever and he plays no defense. And I think he, his role off the bench is just a three point chucker is probably a good one. Just let the young kid go. Let him grow next to Halliburton. I think that's the right way to go about it. I I definitely agree. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the way it happens, but that's the way I would do it, certainly. He, again, everything we expected him to do. Catch and shoot, he was really, really good. Um, With the ball in his hands, he could get to the hoop a little bit. He's not a passer. Doesn't even really attempt passes. Um, But... Next to Tyrese Halliburton, who is one of the best passers, young passers in the NBA, he's not going to have to do that. Tyrese Halliburton will set him up to catch and shoot and catch and go, kind of like the way we see Tyrese Maxey do on the Sixers. Um, Ben Matherin's an explosive athlete. There was an off-the-backboard lob that he finished during one of those summer league games. I'm really happy he has looked good so far because he's the guy that I think is going to be a star. Outside of the top five, he's the guy that I think has the highest chance of being a star. He's been awesome. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very happy for Ben Matherin, too, to be drafted to Indiana because, like you said, Tyrese Halliburton's one of the best young passers in the league, and there's not a lot of guards that come into the league anymore who focus on setting their guys up. You're right. It's Josh Giddy, Tyrese Halliburton, and I'm struggling to name more. Like, it yeah. really is an exclusive group. So for Ben Matherin – a guy who loves to score to be set up with a guy who loves to pass. Like it, it really is such a great pairing. Yeah, dude, that pass first point guard mentality is dying. Yeah. Um, and it seems like that's the sort of thing that if you're a young point guard, like that'll keep you on the floor. Nobody needs a six, two guy who can score kind of efficiently. Um, if you can like feed other guys, if you can set other guys up really well, I think that's what teams are really looking for, but there's not many of those at all. Darius Garland is another one of those guys, but still he's score first. Um, he passes really well, but he's looking to get his buckets. Um, yeah. Benedict Matherin, perfect spot. Uh, number seven, Dyson Daniel. No, uh, Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp had a really nice turnaround in the mid range and then got hurt pretty immediately um bummer because this is you know this is going to be a big moment for him i wanted to see him go out and score he's another one of those guys that's really going to do nothing but score at an efficient level and we didn't get to see it yep uh i was very excited to watch him because the only film we have of him is at like high school camps so i was just curious to see what he could do against an nba summer league um looks like we might have to wait a little bit longer yep Yeah, so let's go deeper into this first round here. Uh, OKC put out a whole bunch of first round picks. Uh, Jalen Williams, other Jalen Williams, Usman, Jang. uh, All of them showed the kind of flashes we were expecting. I was expecting a little more from guard Jalen Williams. Um, We're going to have to find a way to distinguish between Jalen Williams 1 and 2. But the guard, the one who got picked 12, I was expecting more from him. I think he's going to be a Gordon Hayward type guy, but I was expecting him to look a little more polished coming into summer league. And he really didn't do that much. Usman Jang, another story of like really good highlights, but you know, not great stats. Um, who's another big man or another 
first round pick you want to look at? Well, I want to touch on those two guys really quickly before I go on one. Uh, Uzman Jang, I think I'm out. I don't love his game. First round pick Jalen Williams, big fan. Um, I know you were a little disappointed. I was encouraged by what I saw. I like that he could pass but not be the primary ball handler. I loved that about him. Um, like he, he's just very willing to pass. He drives to the rim with conviction. Like he is not afraid to go in there. And he's a good shooter too. So I, I liked that pick actually better than the Uzman Jane pick, especially after watching Summer League. Um, the guy I want to mention, obviously from the Cavs, Ochai Baji. If you listen to our draft recap, that was basically the only pick I didn't love. It was uh, So Chan and Ekbaji. Those were the two picks that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I am becoming much more optimistic on Ekbaji. I, st- I still thought he was a fine player. I just didn't love the value the Cavs got when AJ Griffin was sitting there at that same spot. But he has been incredible shooting the three ball, like unbelievable. He's shooting like 10 a game on 40 percent or above. And he has no fear. He he really he plays great defense. He's just a shot maker. Um, And that's kind of what you need on the Cavs right now. Like we don't have enough offense. That's what made our team suck at the end there, because once our you know, once Jared Allen went down, Mobley started scoring more. But who else could do it? It was. It was Darius Garland trying to put the entire team on his back, and it just wasn't it wasn't enough. So adding a guy like Ekbaji who can kind of get you points in bunches with three-point shooting, I'm a fan of the pick. He was excellent. Um, the thing that I said about him that I still think is going to be true is when you look at the Cavs roster, uh, he is immediately better than most of their 7, 8, 9, 10 spots. Um, the guys that they, cause the starting five, I think for Cleveland is very good. And then as soon as you get to the bench, it's pretty horrible. Um, and if you somehow find a way to re-sign Sexton, which I still think there's a chance because we haven't seen any offer sheets come out from other teams. Yeah. Um, and you put Ochai as the sixth man to come off the bench. I think that would be excellent. Even if he's the starter next to Darius Garland, I think that would be excellent. He really does everything you need him to do offensively. Nothing flashy, nothing that you're, you know, like, holy shit, he's the only guy in the league that can do that sort of thing. Um, But just as solid of a role player as you could possibly ask for is kind of what I'm going to expect from him. Yeah, 100 percent. I think he's going to give you close to 40 percent from three point land and a little bit of dribble creation to create his own shot. And if you heard any of our podcasts over the last year, as the Cavs were trying to make the uh, playoffs, that is all they need. They just need a guy who can get their own bucket. So yeah, uh, yeah big fan. Yeah, I am too. Um, David Roddy had some good moments, very big, big man uh, out of Colorado state. He had some really good moments. He looked pretty interesting. I love Memphis so much. They're such a fun young team. It seems like everybody wants to play for that team. Um, and adding David Roddy and, you know, if Jake LaRavia turns into anything, um, they just have so many young, talented players. I kind of thought immediately David Roddy was going to be great. He's just kind of like a tweener body type where it's weird because you don't know where you're going to play him. Yeah. Uh, but he showed me kind of exactly what I was expecting. Yeah, the Grizzlies are the best drafting team in the league, I think it's fair to say at this point. Um, 
I just because David Roddy and Jake LaRavia got drafted by them, I have faith in those two players. Like yeah. I just I'll give them more leeway than I give other players just because the Grizzlies drafted them. Yeah. No, I'm I'm kind of the exact same way. Uh they just know what they're doing. Um there were some other guys, the Spurs. I wanted to see more from Malachi Branham. He disappointed me. Yeah. And Blake Wesley, we talked about him being a kind of Jordan Clarkson clone, being a Cam Thomas, being a guy who's really only going to look to score and can do it in spurts. And that's exactly what we saw. Um, Doesn't really care about the pass, but at least he had a couple of assists. But Malachi Branham, I was expecting him to ball out immediately. We didn't really see that. What's funny is that was the player I really wanted the Cavs to select, Malachi Branham. And Ochayek Baji has been just objectively better. So yeah. I'm make it's making me happier by the day that the yeah, Cavs yeah. selected Baji over Branham. Maybe my evaluation was just completely wrong, and they actually know what they're doing over there. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Moving around a little bit, I want to talk about the Celtics' second-round pick, J.D. Davidson. Yeah. He's got awesome hair, and he said maybe, you know, 150 times in his press conference about how he's that dog. He wants to bring that dog to Boston. Yeah. He had 28 and 10 in his last game, in his last summer league game. He looks fast as hell, man. He gets up the floor much faster than most guys. He had a couple of really nice lobs. I don't expect him to be anything, but fun in summer league, man. Fun to watch. I think he might become something at a later date. Um, I He just strikes me as one of those second round picks that's just going to hang around in the G League and then pop up one day and like actually be very good. Yeah, um, I can see it, dude. I could definitely see it. Yeah, I mean, he was he was fine in college. He, he didn't shoot the ball very well from three, but I mean, in 25 minutes a game, he scored eight and a half points and had five rebounds and five, uh, four assists. Like, that's decent. Um, he's a, definitely an exciting player. Like, we've been able to see that in summer league. So I, I, I'd i like to see him kind of make his way to some summer league, uh, to some preseason games for the Celtics, or maybe just be on the deep, deep rotation for them also. That'd yeah. be kind of cool to see him make it. Yeah, we've got a couple of people fighting for that deep bench spot, that, like, 13, 14, 15 spot. Um Juan Bagarin was our stash pick from last year from France. He is a stupid athlete, but not a great basketball player yet. Yeah. Um, just talking about the Celtics Summer League, though, we did see some flashes. Fiondu Cabagele uh, could be our backup big. Uh, well, who else was there? Trevion Williams, I expected goodness from. We didn't really see it. Justin Jackson, little reclamation project planned for us in the Summer League. He was a uh, drafted the same year as Lonzo and Tatum. Um, I don't know who our 13, 14, 15 spots are going to be, but, you know, last year it was what Juwan Morgan, Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitz. These aren't guys who are playing. So if we have some potential, send them to the G league and see what happens guys. That, that is exciting to me. Yeah. And before we move on from summer league, I want to talk about a few second year players. Yeah, definitely that we're in here as well, because it's not just rookies out there balling. Quentin Grimes from the New York Knicks, super highly touted in high school, struggled in college, was drafted by the Knicks, had basically a non-existent rookie year. He played well in those like last 20 games of the season. It's just a guy they threw out there. It's starting to look more legit though. Um, He's scoring 20 points per game. He's locking up opposing guards. He's shooting very efficiently from three-point land. 
Um, I think if the Knicks do end up trading for Donovan Mitchell, which we'll mention in a little bit, if they can keep Quentin Grimes, I think that's a huge win for them. I, I see some more upside from him than I have previously. Yeah, Tibbs uh, and Carlisle are similar coaches in terms of the fact that you're going to be so angry at them that they refuse to play interesting young players. Correct. Um, Quentin Grimes could have had some of this, could have had some of this potential during the regular season. We just never saw it because Tibbs sucks. But he has been awesome. Uh, Jericho Sims has some of the biggest bounce that I've ever seen from a big man. Um, And he has been fun to watch. They had another guy that was kind of interesting there um, in the summer league that I can't think of his name. McBride, Deuce McBride. Mm. He had some good moments too, but Quentin Grimes was the one that stood out among the three of those. Uh, Trey Murphy is a dude I want to talk about from the Pels. He was drafted as a potential three and D guy. And then out of all the rookies that got a lot of minutes on the Pelicans last year, he was really towards the bottom. Um, He showed out in the summer league. We really look for, I look for second year guys that look too comfortable in the summer league that look like they're just kind of over-prepared for it. And that it's not a challenge at all for them. And I kind of saw that offensively from Trey Murphy. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the sign where, you know, a player is going to be good or not good, but like an above average or an average role player in the NBA. Mm. Um, like last year, it was it, Desmond, Bain. Desmond Bain was just like, why is this guy here? Yeah. And there's some of that this year. Uh, Josh Giddy was one of those players too, like where he was just controlling the offense, the entire game. No one could slow him down. He controlled the entire pace, got all of his players good looks. Like it was just ridiculous to see him on a, a summer league roster. Um, so there's definitely a few second year players that have really kind of made their stamp on summer league. We saw that Cade was listed on the summer league roster and didn't play. He would have probably broken the record for best player to ever play in summer league if he did get minutes as a second year player. Yeah, that would have been pretty ridiculous. I want to pump the brakes on a little bit of this, the overreaction that we like to do in summer league. Moses Moody put up 34 points in one of those games. He is not going to be, he is, you know, slightly an above average role player. Okay. So I disagree with you. I watched the second game and I did, I saw basically the opposite of what I saw in that 34 point game. Yeah. Um, He definitely is a good basketball player. But I, I might have just saw some ridiculous takes on Twitter and on TikTok that made me think like, all right, wait, like relax. Somebody brought up like, you know, it's dropping, it's like dropping an NBA player in a high school game. Um, and, you know, he wasn't that good, but 34 points was awesome in that summer league game. Yeah, I think the Warriors shutting him down prematurely because they were so happy with what they saw is definitely a good indication. Um, and the thing for me is Moses Moody had a game last year where he was dropping buckets on an NBA team. He had a 30 point game where he shot like seven threes or some shit. And he just looked like a really good NBA player, a really good NBA rookie. And now I'm just seeing it kind of like transfer over to summer league. He did have that one absolute shit game, but I think like from what we've seen, he's going to be a role player this year for the Warriors. Definitely. I watched the highlights of the 34 point game and then I had to tune in for the second one and I just watched him shit the bed. And I was like, all right, what are we talking about? (laughs) Cam Thomas, another dude who's been balling out. We kind of knew this about him. We knew that, you know, he does not, he's never seen a shot that he doesn't want to take. He rolled his eyes at a post-game press conference that the idea that he should be involving his teammates more 
Um, but he's been putting up 28 points a game pretty efficiently from two point land. Um, he's a, a dude that I just kind of knew playing with Kyrie and Katie, if he can learn some of their scoring habits, he's just going to be an excellent, excellent scorer. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of that. Yeah. I saw a play the other day where he was getting double teamed, had a teammate wide open, dribbled in circles for five seconds, got out of the double team and then cashed a three. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this is who he is. And I hate it. And it's fine that I hate it, but he's still a good NBA player. Like he's just a bucket getter and he's annoying to watch, but he can score for your team. So I'm happy for Nets fans that they have a young bucket getter like him. Yeah, dude. I saw uh, the dude from the Bucks. I love this man's name, Sandro Mamukalashvili. Um, Instant victory in Scrabble. He's been putting up 20 points a game in the four games he played for the Bucks. Uh, 50% from three, 48% from the field. He had nine rebounds a game, three assists per game. He looked too comfortable for summer league. Yeah, and for the Bucks to be able to draft someone in the late, late first round or the late second round, I forget. I think it was first round. He was a second rounder. Okay, so for them to be able to play that far into the draft and get value out of that while you still have, like you're still going for a championship is very, very cool. It is. Yeah, dude, love to see that. Keon Johnson, he was my guy from last year. Um, He put up 17 a game for Portland. He's not a good basketball player, but he looked better than the summer league guys, most of them. Yeah, he's improving. Um, I have a hot take for a second-year player that we didn't get to see. It's a G League guy for the Clippers, Jason Preston. Um, Cool, really cool story from, uh, I think it was last year's draft. Yeah, last year's draft. he, w- he grew up in Ohio, went to Ohio College, led them to a- the tournament and like whatever, how long. But he was basically a triple-double machine in college, kind of just hovered around 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. I guess this year they're going to let him try to play um, on the actual roster, and they're feeling very good about it. So I wanted to give him a quick shout-out. No, oh, I didn't watch him at all um, in college, but the Clippers do have some really interesting young guys. Brandon Boston Jr. is another guy that I kind of – I do like watching. I do like checking in on. Yeah. Uh, how are any of those guys going to get minutes on that stacked-ass Clippers team? Who knows? But if they get it, they earn it. Man. Yeah. Brandon Boston had that one ridiculous game last year. And wasn't it against the Celtics? I think so. Yeah. Dude, we always give a player that. Uh, Moses Brown got that 22-20 and 20 game against us back in the day. That was the craziest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> Moses Brown just becoming Hakeem Elijah. Yeah, ridiculous. I do want to ask before we move away from the summer league guys, uh, older brother to Evan Mobley, Isaiah Mobley. I don't yeah. know how much of the Cavs summer league games that you watch, but is there anything positive you could take away from that? Yeah, so I watched a ton of him at USC because I watched every game uh, Evan was there. And Isaiah is just a fiery guy. Like he cares a lot, very vocal good rebounder, good, good passer for a big man. Just not a super skilled player though. Like he's all effort and attitude. So he definitely has a spot on an NBA roster. Um, But yeah, don't expect anything crazy from them. You'll see some really cool passes between the brothers sometime this year. Like they have this weird, like brother, brother connection on the court, but yeah, he's, he's not a super skilled player. So he'll, he'll give you some decent role minutes. Fair enough. Um, I think that's all of the, the summer league guys that I really wanted to talk about. I think there's a couple more games today. We're basically towards the end. There's a little bit of playoffs that they do to crown a winner. 
Um, based off what you've watched so far, who do you expect to be the summer league champs? It's got to, man, I don't know. I think it might be OKC. Just Chet, the way he impacts the game, and then Jalen Williams, I thought, has played pretty well. And if they keep Giddy out there, I mean, it's done. Yeah, OKC's been awesome. The Knicks have been pretty awesome. Um, The Nets have a bunch of players that were actually getting legit minutes last season. Yeah. Uh, But they've had some weird losses. I think, I mean, OKC seems like a team, man. They're just fun to watch. As long as Giddy plays as well. Um, We said it earlier, he's just too comfortable for the summer league. Nobody really rushed him at all. Racking up triple doubles left and right. Um, I think they got a good chance. The Kings got a good chance as well with Keegan Murray behind the wheel. Yeah, and the thing with OKC, too, is no one in Summer League is playing defense, so they immediately have the best defender in all of Summer League in Chet. Like, yeah. just there's no question he's the best defender in the league. He had five steals last night. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the only guy out there really giving a shit about that end, so that gives them a huge advantage. Yeah, I agree. Um, so there's a couple of interesting NBA stories that we got to pivot to. The first one that I want to go into is DeAndre Ayton. Uh, We have been talking for a while about where he's going to end up. There was pretty much just radio silence and rumors for a long time. And then the Pacers sent one of the the poison offer sheets that they do. um, That basically says, like, we don't want to pay a player this much, but let's see if you do it or you'll lose him for nothing. And the Suns decided to pay it. So DeAndre Ayton is on a four-year, $133 million deal for the Phoenix Suns. I think they had to keep him. We've said this over and over again that he is not worth that money, but it's better to pay him that money than lose him for nothing. What's interesting about this is the ramifications that it has on the KD stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It's looking more and more likely every day that Kevin Durant is a Brooklyn net next season. It does not look like he's going anywhere. Um, But yeah, they're, they're locked into that same core. It's going to be Mikhail Bridges, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton. And they're just going to try to run it back. I don't see how DeAndre Ayton is happy about this. I really don't. It ended so poorly. Monty Williams calling him out. And if anybody knows Monty Williams' personality, he's like the nicest dude on the planet. So for him to say, like, it's an internal issue with DeAndre Ayton, that's why I pulled him off the floor. I mean, that's you don't want to get called out like that if you're an NBA player by your coach. Uh, I'm I'm very confused. I'm confused benching your best big man for like Frank the Tank, Kaminsky, or Bismack Biombo, whoever they were throwing out there, um, and then getting absolutely stomped by the Mavs. Tough call. Um, I don't know how they run it back. DeAndre Ayton, I would have loved to see not be a Phoenix Sun anymore. Um, He is a dude who should be putting up six points and four rebounds more than he does, more than he averages every game easily. Um, he's not very much involved in the offense, and I think it's a little bit of him not wanting it and a little bit of, like, the place just not being run for him. But if you send him to a new team, man, I was so excited to see him in Indiana. Indiana doesn't get max players very often. So if they could have had him as, a, you know, this 24-year-old guy, 23-year-old guy next to Halliburton, Ben Matherin, all their young guys, that would have been the start of something really, really cool. And now we kind of just have to see him – collect his money and do the same thing he was doing last year yep he's just going to give you 15 10 and he's going to stay planted instead of going up for pump fakes that's who deandre ayton is as a player on the phoenix suns like it's super boring it's just objectively boring um i saw a stat that was going around the other day 
when Chris Paul and Devin Booker are out, he averages 19 and a half points and 13 rebounds on 65% shooting. That is a almost an all-star caliber player, if not an all-star caliber player. So it, it's it's definitely interesting. I understand why they give the touches to the other guys because they're just better players than DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. Same time, it does feel like some of his potential is just kind of being wasted away as of right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. If Detroit had sent him an offer sheet or if he had stayed in Indiana, he's taken six more shots a game at least. True. Um, he's being involved a lot more in the offense. He'd probably enjoy his time a little bit more. I'm going to say, though, it is surprising for the Phoenix Suns to make this move. Robert Sarver is one of the biggest cheap asses in the NBA, if not the biggest cheap ass in the NBA. Um, mm-hmm. Not a dude who goes into the luxury tax for any reason. And now they're spending a good amount of money, man. Mikael Bridges needs his money. Cam Johnson's going to need an extension this year. Um, So, you know, they're committed to this run with Chris Paul to see if they can actually win a chip. I don't know how they wash off, you know, last year's playoffs. I don't know how they forget about that and move on. Um, I don't know what to expect from them. I don't either because Chris Paul looked awful. Yeah. He just, he, his body broke down. I don't know what that was. Like, I know what you, I, you don't believe any of their injuries whenever no. that shit happens. No, the injuries are fake. Yeah. Um, but like, was he just old is basically my take. Like, is right. he just old and not good at basketball anymore? I don't know. Right. <laughs> I, I have no idea. <laughs> um, but like, that can't happen again. Right. If you're Robert Sarver and you're super annoyed to be paying DeAndre Ayton this much money to begin with, you cannot go out to a seed that's lower than you and buy 40 points in a game seven again. You just can't do it. It's not allowed. So Chris Paul either has to rejuvenate his body. Devin Booker's got to take a step up. Mikhail Bridges needs to learn how to create his own shot. Or DeAndre Ayton needs to grow some balls and try to shoot the ball. Something needs to change there. They can't run the same roster back and expect to make the finals. They got super freaking lucky that year they made it to the finals. They did. And you know the thing that happens every year when a team starts to struggle, the first person to go is the coach. Um, and I think that's the, that would be the biggest failure for the Suns organization to lose Monty Williams because I think he is the dude who steers this ship. It's Chris Paul's team. You know, we know that. It's, he is the one who makes teams better when he shows up. But Monty Williams is the guy that calls all the plays. He is the, the Phil Jackson, uh, you know, like middleman, mediator type dude. He does everything right as a coach. And if they lose again this year, I feel like he's out the door. I feel like that's the move that every team makes. Get rid of the coach and bring somebody new. Yeah, especially because they're trending downward. They made the finals and then they lost in the second round. And now, I mean, if they are they a first round exit? If they run into the, you know, Clippers, are they going to be a number one seed again? Probably not. Probably not. Right. Like, will they even be a top four seed with the Clippers and the Nuggets being healthy? I'm not so sure. So I don't know, man. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if Monty Williams' seat starts getting a little warm this upcoming season. Uh, That's that's a very good call by you. Yeah, I think it would be the dumbest move. but That's just the way this stuff goes Um, on the Kevin Durant. And I think you're right. He is a net. Um, He signed that four-year deal. It sounded like the Nets went out and said, what is the most unreasonable package I can request for uh, players on other teams? And then obviously teams said no, and they went, well, I guess we can't trade you. Nobody wants you. Um, They asked for 
Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, and four firsts from the Pelicans. They asked for, I think it was more than Mikael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, and three picks. They wanted more than that. Um, My favorite one was Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and three unprotected first-round picks for KD. That's a trade you ask for when you have no interest in actually trading your guy. That's a trade you ask for when you go, all right, we just paid you a four-year max extension. We've paid you a year to sit on the bench and rehab from your Achilles. You're playing for us. Um, and you know, if they just suit up, man, the team looks so good on paper. Um, Kyrie will do Kyrie things and there's no telling how he will bomb this team into the ground, but Kyrie, Katie, Ben Simmons, and a whole bunch of plus role players. That's a killer team, man. It is. Yeah. I mean, I, I still thought they were the favorites to win the championship when they traded for Ben Simmons, because I assumed he was a normal human being and would play basketball after yeah. a year off. <laughs> uh, oops. <laughs> um, but Kyrie is the ultimate team destroyer. Kevin Durant. I told you this in person the other day, my appreciation for him disappears by the day. Um, he just, uh, he, quite frankly, he's, he's just a little annoying to me at this point. Um, his legacy stuff I do think is in question me and you talk about this all the time like those championships yes they count but how much do they count yeah like Kevin Durant has heard the word legacy 2,000 times in the past couple of weeks Um, maybe just today on Twitter (laughs) maybe maybe just just today today. (laughs) yeah I you know still he's one of the most skilled basketball players of all time yep um but you know, being the, the the bus driver analogy that Charles Barkley said couldn't be more true. As much as that's annoying to hear and as much as Charles Barkley's just this shit talker, couldn't be more true. Um, he just shows up to really good teams and hoops. He is not a dude leading people to championships. His chips don't mean as much as like Hakeem Olajuwon or some of those guys who really had to carry their own teams. Absolutely, I agree. Absolutely, 100%. I agree. And you asked me a couple days ago, like, is Giannis, is Giannis just a better player than Kevin Durant already? And I, I'm starting to lean yes. I'm starting to lean yes. Longevity. He needs the, the years in the league. Giannis just hasn't been doing it long enough. But accolade-wise, I don't think there's much separate them. I think right now, I think I take Giannis's career over Kevin Durant's career. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's crazy at all. Back-to-back um, MVPs, de- Defensive Player of the Year, Finals MVP on a team that he actually carried to the finals. Um, it means a lot more, in my opinion. Yeah, and there's one more guy in trade talks that we need to talk about before we get on out of here. Donovan Mitchell. Um, he has been rumored to the – are, the Knicks are rumored to be very interested, and they have eight first-round picks that they can levy to try to get him. And I guess Danny Ainge is going after all of them. What do you think? I think this is one of those Danny Ainge trades that's going to be so close to happening and then it won't. Um, The Danny Ainge trades that happen, happen in silence. He moves very quietly and it just turns out like, oh shit, Rudy Gobert is on the Timberwolves now and there go all of their picks. Um, That we weren't hearing about that for weeks. It just happened. These trades come out in the news because Danny Ainge is like, I do not have to move my guy. You can give me everything you own. You know, I want... Uh, Deuce McBride, Quentin Grimes, Jericho Sims, Emmanuel Quickly, and six picks. You don't want that? Fine. No trade. Yeah. Yeah. He he is one of the most cold-blooded GMs in the league. He usually gets what he wants. 
Um, I grew really frustrated with him when I was still rooting for the Celtics, just because it felt like nothing was changing and the culture was weird, but there is no doubt that this man knows how to win a trade. Like that is what he was always the best at as a GM, whether it was team building or whatever, but he always found a way to win trades in every scenario. It felt like he will win this Donovan Mitchell trade. He will. I promise he will. He absolutely won in a landslide with the Minnesota Timberwolves trade. And I still think that was a good trade for the Timberwolves, but the return he got for that was just a historic return. Yeah. Yeah, he is absolutely winning this trade. Who knows who it'll be? Uh, the Heat and Knicks seem to be the top two guys. I think the Knicks should do what they can to get this guy short of selling their entire core to get him. Who um, do you think the Knicks are desperately trying to keep? Because I think there's, I mean, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are staying. Who who else are you keeping? Is RJ involved in the trade? Are you fine with every other player on the roster getting sent? RJ's a weird one, man, um, because I think he's more untouchable than the rest of them. I think they're looking to keep him more than the rest of them. Yeah. Um, but it's not like he's shown the stats to make that worthwhile. Um, he had a down year last year. Quentin Grimes, I think they could get rid of. If you lost... You know, Quentin Grimes, Deuce McBride, Jericho Sims, and like a whole bunch of picks. You got rid of a, a bunch of guys you were never playing in the first place. Right. Um, if you do all that to bring in bring in Donovan Mitchell, yeah, you lost out on a young core and a whole lot of excitement, but you have Tibbs and he wasn't going to play them. So I, I think it could be worth it to make a move like that. But like six picks and two pick swaps, absolutely no. Absolutely no. I would not do that deal. And if uh, Leon Rose for the Knicks does that deal, he deserves to be shamed for it. So this is where I'm at with the Knicks. Um, You know my feelings on RJ Barrett. I think he's just a guy. I I don't think he's anything more than that. I don't think he will ever become anything more than that. Um, Knicks fans love to tell you that he scored 20 points per game last season. What they don't like to tell you is he shot 40% from the floor and 34% from three. So he's just an inefficient shot chucker, but he plays defense and he gives a shit, which I love. So if they keep Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and manage to keep RJ Barrett, and they send all those picks and they send all those young players that they never play anyway, that team's probably decent. If it's Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, and then you know, whoever fills in there. That's probably a pretty decent team. That's a team that's competing in the play-in probably. I agree. And I think with the Knicks, you almost have to. Um, if you want to keep all those picks and then draft okay <clears throat> okay players and then continue to be stuck in this purgatory that they're in for, you know, the next five, six, seven years, whatever, I don't think that's worth it. Um, there is a limit to the amount of picks and pick swaps that I think is worthwhile, but if you can get Donovan Mitchell and you can lift yourself out of that purgatory and into like, we're actually fighting for something legitimate here. uh, I think you have to make that move if you're New York. And I think if it becomes available, they will, they will give up those eight draft picks and all of those young players without a second thought. They they'll do it. They'll do it. And I honestly think it might be worth it because you know, if the Donovan Mitchell trade happens, are there picks sitting r- like right around 15, 16 to 20? Probably. How many of those types of players actually become like good NBA players? Um, I don't know. They are unprotected. So an injury could completely, you know, you know, like when picks are unprotected, it completely changes the game. Mm-hmm. 
if everyone stays healthy and the Knicks probably end up in the play and from here on out. So yeah, I don't know, but I would love to see Donovan Mitchell in New York. I know that. I'd like to see him on the heat as well. Um, not from the perspective of a Celtics fan who'd have to play them, but that seems like the sort of team that he would really thrive in. Yeah. We talk about heat culture to fucking death. We talk about how much they all work hard and whatever. Um, <laughs> I think I'm sick of it. I think I'm over it. I think it's just that they talk about it so much and it's yeah. not like they're any different from any other team. Yeah. Um, but man, I think Donovan Mitchell would fit in very well there next to Jimmy Butler, especially. Yeah. Um, I think you can send out Tyler Hero and be okay with it. If Absolutely. You Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Um, and then if you had Jimmy Butler, Donovan Mitchell, and Bam all on the floor at the same time, I think that's a killer trio. Yeah, that, that's a good-ass team. And if they somehow manage to keep Kyle Lowry in that, you probably have to lose him. But if they do manage to keep Kyle Lowry as just a facilitator, like that, that team's very, very good. Speaking of which, I'm hearing some – I saw some uh, Woj rumors that I wanted to just run by you about – discussions lukewarm discussions about a Kyrie for Kyle Lowry swap hmm. um, more involved there not just a one-for-one one, maybe draft compensation on the heat end um, but it definitely seems like the Nets are trying to get rid of Kyrie Irving and are hmm. trying to bring back somebody on the heat end I'd be interested to see what Kyrie on the heat would look like being just berated by Pat Riley and Jimmy Butler and Udonis Haslam over there um, I, I would be really curious to see if Kyrie could flourish in that sort of environment. The issue with Kyrie is like if Pat Riley was in his face screaming, he would just light some sage on fire and, <laughs> and just like start whirling it around his head. And it's just like, I can't hear you. Um, I, I, I think Kyrie is the ultimate team sinker. I think wherever he goes, they suck. So you don't think the heat culture could do, could, could outdo Kyrie's a different guy, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, he he is the worst. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, still potential rumors about him going to LA. Uh, the Lakers no. seem hesitant to send more than one draft pick out for Russell Westbrook. Why the hell would the Nets want Russell Westbrook? Um, yeah. There's a bunch of question marks there, but it could end up that Kyrie is a Laker by the end of the season. I, yeah, so my thing is, is Kyrie only has one year left on his deal because he opted in. Russell Westbrook only has one more year on his deal. If the Lakers refuse to give up those unprotected first-round picks in the future, they can just wait a year. LeBron's yeah. one year older and so is AD, but then you get Kyrie for free instead of shipping off an unprotected pick. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at it right now. But I don't know. How many good years do you think LeBron has left to like le legitimately be a, a title contending player? It is really up in the air, man. I just saw a stat this morning. He is going to be the ninth player in NBA history to play his 20th season. Um, and we're not really talking about it because it's LeBron and we just kind of expect this level of greatness from him. Um, I don't know. I believe him when he says he's going to play until Bronny Jr. joins the league. And then I think maybe we've got one year of him left there. Um, I'm expecting good things from him this year, but it's really going to have, we're going to have to see man halfway through this season. If he is really worn down, if he really doesn't have the legs anymore, it's kind of, you know, it's got to start happening at some point. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at his stats from last year at age 37, he was a 30 point per game score. Yeah. It's, it's just really stupid. And he took the scoring title. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like every reasonable thought should tell you he should only probably have like one or two years left of this, but what 37 year old is scoring 30 points per game that you own, you know, of, you know what I mean? So it's just kind of like his timetable is different than any other players. So like, even though he's super injury prone now and has trouble staying on the court, he's still one of, you know, the top eight players in the league when he's healthy at age 37. So I don't know, man. Yeah. Who knows what to expect from him? I mean, you know, greatness every single year, probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm expecting him to play until he is the number one all-time leading scorer and then move on and take some sort of Tom Brady, hundred million dollar NBA media game. Or just own a, te- own a team. Yeah, that too. He, he's talked openly about wanting to own an NBA team, so that would be pretty interesting too. I would like to see that, definitely. But I'm pretty sure that wraps everything up for us. We did some summer league for you guys, some free agency and trade rumors. Um, ben, do you have anything else to say before we get on out of here? I got nothing. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Peace out. Peace.